Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. My name's Robbie Engel, and I'll be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace. Today, we're going to have a friend of mine, Reward Sabanda, join the podcast. Reward and I have been friends for a couple years. He is on, on with us from Dallas, Texas, originally from Zimbabwe. He is married to Pam, his better half, who I've yet to meet. Re, I'm pretty upset about that. He's a speaker, a writer, a thinker. He creates content with an undying passion for leadership, for the gospel, for church engagement. Uh, he is all over the place. He is on Blackbird. He, I'll get you to tell us about that in a minute. He is a senior advisor at World Vision. And more importantly, he has been a blessing in my life the past couple of years. Re, welcome to the True Face Podcast, man. man How are you? Robbie, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it, man. It's such, such a dream come true. It's such an honor to be here. Well, you, you how long tell us how long you've been tracking with the True Face stuff. How'd you get involved with this stuff? Oh my goodness, man. True Face um brought their dis- disruptive doctrine, man. The gospel, that's what you guys brought. It's a very disruptive doctrine to any a, any prior like just um a disenfranchisement we might have with, with church or the gospel. Mm. So I think it was about 6 years now if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Chad was just like, so Chad and I, uh, he's a pastor over in San Antonio, a really, really good friend of mine and uh, just a voice of grace, man. We we were searchers. We were seekers. We were like, why is it that the gospel never feels like good news, right? We know that it, it, it objectively, it's called the good news. It's supposed to be the good news. But why does it lack that subjective quality that good news usually has? Yeah. And so just in our journey of seeking he came across um, the uh, the challenge, and then he read uh, the book, and then he started stalking John and Bill and uh, and the guys. And then he came to me, man. He was like, "Bro, I have found the gospel in its purest iterations." And uh, he introduced me to True Face, and we've been, man. I've been, I've, I've been trekking ever since. I love it, man. I love it. It's now. You, uh, you and I were in a cohort together, learning from Bill Thrall yep. for a couple years, um, trying to get our heads around, you know, this articulation <laughs> and understanding of what Jesus made possible for us. And God has you uh, stewarding that and sharing that um, in multiple different places, uh, in churches, with World yep. Vision, with Blackbird. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with Blackbird. Yeah, man. I man, I love Blackbird, dude. Blackbird is a thinker's space. And if you guys don't know, man, Robbie is one of, and I'm not just blowing smoke. He's one of the most phenomenal thinkers that I've ever met. Every single time I meet him, we always geek out. And I ask him, I'm throwing him curve cognitive curveballs and he's knocking them out of the park because just that's that's just how he thinks. He's gifted to think at 30 thousand feet in every conversation in every scenario keep going and so (laughs) it's like stop give me more but (laughs) but but that's essentially what 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 blackbird was i feel like there's such a dearth of original and independent and informed thinkers in our generation i feel like people take what they're fed and then they use their emotion as a platform to communicate what they believe are their convictions and so Blackbird kind of came out of that, man. I I remember when I first came to the U.S. 
I still remember I noticed that there was a, a an issue back then. It was elections, and then mm-hmm. uh, uh, the elections were happening, and then people that I knew to be solid, loving Christians were just at each other's throats because they didn't believe the same thing, mm-hmm. right? And then um, after that, the elections passed, and then people were back to to normal. And then I believe it was immigration kind of came up after that, and then everyone was at everyone's throats again. And uh, right. And then afterwards, I think that was Trayvon Martin back then kind of came and then everybody was it. And so after a while, I noticed that it wasn't that a lot of Western American Christianity um, did not love each other. But I noticed that our generation had a difficulty and a dearth of dealing with and having civil conversations around difficult topics. And so I was like, man, that's something I can do. Right. I can, I can set the table. I can be a bridge. I have nothing to lose. Right. And so I feel like Blackbird was that it's essentially what it is. a platform where I kind of come, um, throw a, 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 an incendiary thought in a good way. Something that makes people think around a specific topic and then I outsource that to the masses and I, I ask them questions. I bring in thought leaders and I foster conversation based on that. And most of it is the fact that the U.S. is a very polite society. Hmm. So people think things, but they will not say them because they're very polite. And I've noticed that when someone comes out and says something, it sets other people free to be like, well, since he said it, let's go hmm. there. So Blackbird is a platform where I say it. And then people can gather around what was said mm. and, and have civil conversations. So I'm excited. I've had great engagement with it. Well, unpack. I mean, you're how old were you when you uh, shifted from Zimbabwe to the States? Well, I've been here 15 years, so okay. um, I'm still relatively new, man. I'm still culture shocked. So you're watching Americans enter into this uh, discord um, and this what. So we're polite on one hand, but we've been at yeah, each man. other's throats for years. And you're trying to yeah, bring man. a voice of clarity for the sake of hopeful unity. Or w- what's the outcome? Like, how do we how do we yeah, combat man. that if there's so much division and Come on. W- which is really from the evil one and clarity Precisely. and unity uh, is is from our father. So that's right. We're we're struggling in our country the past couple of years. Um, It's it's the father's always looking for unity and to and what what is the word reconciliation or. Yeah. um, Yeah. I I mean, you're doing that on Blackbird. How do we how do we do that? How do we all bring that into conversations and what's in the way? Yeah, man, I I feel like, um, first of all, that. how how can I put this in, in a way? I feel like people are supposed to to disagree, right? I, I don't I don't think that's that's the issue. I think if we all agreed on the same thing, it's like um, it, that's boring, that's unoriginal, right? So I think that's okay. That can be a good oh, thing. Exactly. Actually, it's a great thing. It's encouraged, right? It's okay. in the fires of disagreement that right that it, the truth is forged if i believe in something and you have never challenged that thing then it's just it's just an idea i do not know the integrity of my original thought until you come and we wrestle together and when we leave we're both the better for it right it's a uh, it's a concept called anti fragility and essentially that what that says is that humanity as a species right we as people 
our our biology becomes um, stronger mm. after we go through stuff. When you cut someone scar tissue, right? It yep. when it, it it comes back stronger. When someone goes to the gym, resistance makes them stronger. So so I, I believe that's what it is. What I believe the issue is, man, is the fact that we have lost the art of civil disagreement. Mm. We have lost the ability to to respectfully disagree with people. It's almost like in order for us to make our point, right? We have to pull down someone's um, uh, perspective or some or disrespect their values and their convictions. And I feel like that's the wrong thing, dude. I I went on social media and I did this social experiment just to to provide proof of concept to even start Blackbird. And what it was, I asked a very simple question, and the question was. If Jesus knew, right, that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, then why did he weep? Mm. Right. If he knew he had the answer, then why did he weep? Mm. And uh, the, 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 the actual answer is for another day. But what was interesting is, and I threw it on social media because I knew that as a social experiment. And I noticed that immediately people went to arms. It's like, so this first guy's name was from guy. He says something. And then this girl comes in and goes, you know what? I disagree with this guy and this, 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 and this other guy comes in and be like, well, I kind of agree with, and instead of someone inserting, trusting in the integrity of their perspective and inserting their view, even if it disagreed, it's almost like people felt like they had to discredit the point before them mm. in order to give credence yep. to their point and everything. And I was like, in a nutshell, I believe that is what is wrong with our new generation. We do not know how to disagree yep. gracefully. And I, therefore, we cannot grow from our, our disagreements, I think. Man, when... With men and women that I see that feel healthy and whole yep. and, and yep. mature in who they yep. are and whose they are, there's yep. such a confidence there that yep. when their ideas or perspectives are rocked, it doesn't That's get right. anywhere close to rocking the foundation of their security and confidence Precisely. in who they are. It, Precisely. It feels like our society is... Um, as a whole, and this might yep. be, this might be way too big of an assumption... But as yep. we've moved into a post-Christian society, as as a, um, we are wandering around looking now, we have we have separated ourselves from absolute truth and a foundation yep. of values and principles yep. to some degree, and replace yep. that with this this opportunity for individualism and perspective. That in That's that right. um, in that individualism and and um, and softer foundation, we're yep. made up of our ideas and our perspectives politically. That's right socially. Um, and so when those are attacked, we respond in a fight because you're exactly. attacking my identity and my security exactly. because exactly. It's, re it's represented by my ideas. I feel That's like right. I'm watching Gen Z. Yeah. Um, and is it, and the younger generations, that is something that feels different. Like that feels yes. like, um, Aside from a culturally accepted foundation of identity, values, principles, that yep. there's you, we have to fight for our beliefs, which is leads to more division and reactivity. Uh -huh. Yeah, it, yeah. Would you? How do you see that, or am I, are we just making up stuff at this point? Because I'm pretty sleepy. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. See, the thing is, it takes a lot of. Of, 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 of thought strength and willpower, right? 
to be able to disassociate your creation well said. from your identity, right? Well that, that, that comes from a place of, I know who I am. I know the value and the integrity of my contribution, either to, to the community or to conversation. Therefore, I welcome you poking holes in my hypothesis. I welcome mm. you, right? So, so, so what's happened is people through cyberbullying and everything, the internet has taken that human touch. See, me and you can disagree because if I look into your eyes, right, mano y mano, person to person, it's like, right, iris to iris, I can see and I can sense that you are not against me. Mm. But you remove that, that, that face value, that, that, that almost like the endearment of face-to-face conversation, and we're left to trying to translate people's meanings through the cold medium of right mm. either the internet or yep. whatever and, and and those are always open to um to misunderstandings and misconceptions so what i'm saying is gen z and 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 even the back the back half of millennials are people whose values have been shaped by a culture that misunderstands them, a culture mm. of misunderstanding. And because of that, people have learned to be very defensive about everything that they hold dear to themselves. And that has spawned a generation of people who are so sensitive and have not learned how to distance their thoughts and their ideas and what they're saying from who they are, right? So I think it goes even beyond that. So you are right. So we are a generation that does not know the difference between attacking an idea and attacking them, right? Because most of those ideas aren't original anyways, right? So if you're attacking that idea, I have no, the idea has no merit of its own. So because I copied it, then it's just a a thin veneer for me. So then you are in essence attacking me. And I feel like that's what the generation feels like. So for us, setting safe... And if there's oh, not a clarity of who I am, aside from the hey, collection of my ideas. That's, that's where it all comes from, identity. And that's what I love, love the most about the gospel and about true face is that everything about our understanding, right, and consequent propagation of the gospel always flows from identity, the mm-hmm. truest sense and essence of who we are. Mm-hmm. That's where the gospel comes from. That's where individualism comes from. That's where all these things happen. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is from a false sense of identity. So the cynic in me, here's attention. The cynic in me is uh-huh. that, uh, you know, the, the media and the social media age of around the clock yeah. access to sound bites, which, you know, the number yeah. show that clicks and sound bites, you just have to, you, you have to move away from long form dialogue yeah. and discussion right. and understanding because you got about eight seconds which the media and social media is affected. And the greatest Mm -hmm. impact of that is on the younger generations, which has been all they've known. Um, You, so there's part of me that's like, ah, you know, technology. Uh But on the other hand, how do we leverage that technology for good? You you seem to be doing that well, of embracing this incredible blessing of technology Mm -hmm. to reach and to... um, to reach more people with these truths, how, yeah. how do we? How do we as the as Christians and yeah. as the faith community and Jesus followers continue to leverage instead of uh, leverage for the good technology mm-hmm. and access for the younger yeah. generations yeah. instead yeah. of repel and react to it? 
That's right, man. That's a great question. Well, technology is 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 a tool, right? It's an extension. It's a scaffolding, right? It is. It, it's essentially an extension of who we are, of our agency as humans. Now, the thing with a tool, right, and the thing with an extension, and the thing with a scaffold is, if you are unclear about your purpose, right, as the workman, mm. and the the, the 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 task at hand mm. then you will always misuse the tool even if you have the best intentions yeah, right good. so i feel like what's happened is that our generation because of warped identity have lost the identity as artisans right why am i here what am i here to solve right and the people who have the clearest sense of who they are right? Consequently, have the clearest sense of what they were put on earth to solve. Because, right, um, ultimately, our God is utilitarian. He's relational. He's all these things. But he created us and gave us a purpose. So every single person who exists, right, is here to solve a problem by showing an aspect of God's nature and creativity and love to a nation. So for example, if some people do not know who they are, then they do not know why they are here. And if they do not know why they're here, then they will misuse their tools for what that is. So for Mm -hmm. me, I've noticed that the people who have the most impact, right? When we look at true face, when we look at John and uh, Papa Bill, when we look at, um, like even you, those are people who understand who they are. They understand what they're supposed to do. And then they go, ah, in order for me to maximize my reach, right? Yep. I will use this tool right here specifically. So in the same way, if people do not know who they are and they do not know why they're here, then their entire existence becomes wrapped up in the cause of self. Yep. And in that cause of self, then the internet or the tool or the scaffold becomes an extension of that insecurity specifically. Right. So I feel like for me, it's um, if you know why you're here and you know what to do it, then you know what tools to use. And what I would then say to people is find out who you are, find out what you're here to do, find out what the gospel of your existence is. And then all of a sudden you will find that when you step on the scaffold called social media or media, or audiovisual, then that just becomes a thing that amplifies your identity and draws your tribe yep. to your vibe specifically. Man, I uh, I know God has designed me to love others. He is in yep. me. He is. Yep. I am a son of a yep. father, and I have access to Christ in me with an mm-hmm. uh, with a purpose to love other people. And so, if I look at technology and go, okay. This is here. How do I leverage this tool and this scaffolding to both love others and to experience more love? That might mean shutting out some things. Because if if my my design purpose is to love others in relationship, I need to shut down some stuff. And I need to think more objectively about what I allow technology into my life That's and right. heart and at the same time how i can more proactively leverage these tools to accelerate Dude, what we get to do in the kingdom robbie you're right i mean you're hitting the nail on the head like even right there love in itself is exclusive right love is 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 is, is, is exclusive if i love something then that love automatically 
automatically prioritizes the object of my affection, mm. which means it deprioritizes everything else specifically. Mm. So your, 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 the greatest gift that you have, right, Robbie, I believe is it's your mind. You have an incredible mind. God has gifted you with an incredible mind. And the tools, right, to people, to you uh, giving the gift of your mind to our generation is the, the your voice is the medium, right? Mm. Your ability to lead is the medium. Your connection is the medium specifically. And in that, you are like, okay, in order for me to, I need to talk to Reed. But because... I right have prioritized my relationship with him of like whatever. So I can leverage social media. I can leverage the internet. I can leverage our friendship in order for me to then give him the gift of my mind so that he inspired can go and, and, and do all these other things specifically. Mm-hmm. So I, I completely agree with you that in when you love and when you understand it just narrows your focus and it narrows the things that you give your time and your affection to. And our generation needs to learn that, I believe. Man. Uh, all right. So, oh, yeah, we're doing this podcast. This is like, y'all, <laughs> if, whoever's listening to this, you see why I love this, man? How cool that I get free in my life. We just got in. We we. Uh, it's hard not to jump in and just start uh, brainstorming and processing. And mm-hmm. Father, give us wisdom in this and the roles that you've given us to steward and continue yep. to bless Ree's influence and platforms uh, we, and thanks for whoever just listened into a normal me and Ree call every now and then when we That's get it, exactly we happen to be right. recording this one. So part of our podcast, since I'll pull us back into this, uh, this, uh, group conversation that you guys are listening to, um, is I, I love to in, you know, have guests on here and, yeah, in, you know, hear what God's doing through a story, uh, just catching us up to, um, what's God is doing in your life. So, um, re-invite us into what God's teaching you in this season or has taught you in the past. And let's, yeah. let's unpack that for a few minutes. Dude, thank you so much for, for that, Robbie. Dude, I, and, and, and you know, that true phase has had men, just Bruce and, uh, just John and Papa Bill, um, have planted just this game changing seed, right? It's, it's the gospel changes everything. I genuinely mm-hmm. believe it. If, 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 if you've heard it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I've been finding that at the center of every human conflict is the gospel Hmm. at the center of the racial divide is the gospel at the center of our political, like, right. Um, issues is the gospel. The gospel is, is the answer. And at first I didn't understand Robbie, and this is what I want to share with people. At first, I thought the gospel was this ephemeral and ethereal and almost philosophical answer to the problems of mankind, right? I never thought the gospel had teeth or agency. Hmm. And so I thought it was almost like a, um, what does Karl Marx say, right? Religion is the opium of the poor, right? I, I felt like it was a salving philosophy to where I'm going through all these things. And then in complete denial, the gospel says, yes, your life sucks, but you are loved and uh, you will spend eternity in heaven. And there's, and, and that's all fair and good, except I've always had a problem with 
weak philosophy, if I can put it that way, right? Mm. A philosophy that denies the reality of the issues. And, and for the longest time, I felt like the gospel was only relevant to us in our generation and in this earth as a means to uplift our spirits and inspire us to think of higher things until... And this is what the Lord has been doing until the racial conversation started happening. And I started seeking God's perspective on this. And that's when he led me to kingdom. Hmm. See, when Jesus came, Jesus did not come propagating Christianity, right? Christianity was just a marker. It was a, a socio-political demarcation or marker right, of who the people that followed him were. They were Christians because they exhibited attributes which were consistent with the philosophy of the Christ, right? That's what they were called. So immediately, I want to put Christianity to the side for a second as a social and humanistic construct and go deeper. So what did Jesus come to propagate? Jesus came to propagate, here it is, the kingdom. He came to speak about a kingdom and the domestic and foreign policy of this kingdom was good news. Mm. And therefore, they called his kingdom the gospel. That's why whenever he came, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, right? What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a tangible political ethos or philosophy, right? I'm going somewhere with this. That's what the kingdom is. It means there is a king and this king's desires and whim and will, right, are the tenets or become the constitution of what this kingdom is specifically. Here's where I'm going with this. So with that said, I was like, oh my gosh, he came, Jesus came to preach the gospel of the kingdom, well, what is, what, what, what is his, if he was running for an election, what are the issues? What is his campaigning message around this kingdom, right? And, 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 and so you read Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So he comes and he's like, all right, let me tell you what this kingdom is about, right? This was the first thing, Jesus's grand announcement, right? These are his core initiatives. This, his campaign runs on this thing. We're in agreement, right? So he comes and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So he comes, first of all, he brings this gospel and this gospel is subjective, right? It's not an overall gospel. If I'm blind, the gospel is recovery of sight. If I'm poor, the gospel is, you see what I'm saying? Hmm. It's subjective. But beyond that, I saw something, and this is what I want to share with people, that the gospel is a, is a sociopolitical reality. Because what he was talking about, he was talking to occupied Israel. And what he was pointing to here was the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee was a socio-political reality that all of Israel waited for. Because it meant in 50 years, the land was returned to its rightful owners, right? In 50 years, um, the slaves were freed. In 50 years, like family. So there was a complete sociological reset 
And that was called the good news of Jubilee. Mm. So Jesus comes and says, I am coming to bring you, you occupied Israel, a brand new socio-political reality, right? That then is supposed to set you free. Okay, reward, I hear what you're saying. So what does this have to do with anything? Let's go to racism, right? Racism and the, 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 the racial... Um, a conflict in our nation happens because people, black people feel like they have been unjustly misrepresented where the gospel comes back and it speaks to as a tangible philosophy, right? To what that looks like. The gospel is the only answer to racism and political division because it is in itself a political ideology, right? When you look at all these other political ideologies out there, when you look at, um, for example, communism, right? Do you know that communism is, and excuse the phrasing, but it's, it's bastardized kingdom. Mm. Communism, if Jesus was at the head of communism, communism would be kingdom, right? Because every political uh, ethos and philosophy out there sucks because of the people at the top. When you put a good king over any political ideology we have, socialism, communism, capitalism, it's all aspects of the kingdom mm. with crappy people at the top. Mm. So for me, then coming back, I come back and what the Lord has been dealing with, and what's been blowing my mind is the fact that the gospel is a gospel of identity. It tells me that I am worthy. The gospel is the gospel of a good king. The gospel is the gospel of a king with good domestic policy. When you read, oh my goodness, like Leviticus, it talks about, that's his domestic policy. It talks about everything from how you should write, um, how you should uh, treat strangers and how you should treat foreigners and how you should treat like animals and cattle. And, and, every, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is this king's domestic policy. And he calls that the gospel. Mm. So why I've been so excited, why I feel like millennials and Gen Z and the church and our generation to lean into the hard conversations is because in this book, Robbie, we have the domestic policy of a good king who cares about injustice, who cares about racism, who cares about political division, who cares about terrorism, who cares about all the issues that we face. Mm. And so for once, I can truly look and say to anybody, the gospel isn't just a cop out, but it is the answer to the world's problems today. And that's what's been burning on my spirit, man. Well. I can see how it's been burning your spirit, bro. I, uh, thank you. I, um, I mean, all right. So we got a couple more hours to unpack this. So everybody get comfortable. Um, the, you know, not that you're supporting communism and socialism. Uh, socialism. I heard that. I heard, I heard what you saying is Jesus Jesus is bringing the kingdom and the, yeah. the kingdom the, is the gospel and the good news. That is not something ethereal, ethereal or, or, yeah. you know, just some principle, but it's got mm. teeth and it's got agency. So what That's is that right. in that freedom of the kingdom and what we have access yeah. to yeah. as it, 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 which is the, it, which is what Jesus made possible. That's the new covenant. That's what Jesus yeah. made possible. I said, this is the year of Jubilee. We're starting Precisely. over. It's fresh. It's new. And with that newness, you have freedom 
to yum. love others, to yum. to have the spirit. And yum. that is a real tangible, um, not just some some structure called Christianity. That That's is right. a empowering that is yeah. active and real. That is the kingdom we have access to as new creations where that looks like um, in our identity, we get to love, we get to, yeah. and, and that is j- very clear and yeah. um, clear in regards to when it comes to racism, what we are called to do. Yeah. To yeah. Unpack that the connection between the gospel yeah. And the good news having agency in the current yeah. situation of something like racism. Tell me more what that looks like. Precisely. Thank you, brother. Well, the core tenets of this gospel are the fact that, number one, we're made in the image of God, right? Yeah. We are made in the image of God, black, white, whatever it is that in that image of God, there is inherent value in God's creative choices in creating us as we are. That's why when you read the book of Revelation, right, he sees people from every nation and tribe and tongue, right? So that means my ethnicity is redeemed, right? That he stands by his creative choices in creating who we are. We don't all get saved and turn white for eternity. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So, 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 so the gospel, the Imago Dei, that we're all made in the image of God and he stands by his creative choice. That's number one. But number two, right, this God is also a God of justice. When you read the book of Psalms, it says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mm. So his throne runs on two things. His throne or his power or his campaign stands on two primary promises or Mm. issues, and which is righteousness and justice. And justice, right, when we look at the racial conversation that's happening in, in, in the U.S. right now, it's not about diversity, even though diversity is an amicable aspect of it. It's about injustice. People are taking to the streets because they feel like, not they feel like, because the facts are that black lives are being taken unjustly, yep. right? And that's where we as kingdom people then That's where our pay to play lies, because if it was just a black person, right, um, talking about how they feel unwelcome by white people, then we're not interested. I'm not interested in 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 um, in going about and and essentially unpacking your your, 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 your racial situation if there has not been an injustice propagated. Mm. You know why? Because I'm a king, I'm a citizen of the kingdom before I am anything else, before mm. I'm a black man, before I'm American, before I'm Zimbabwean, I'm a citizen of this kingdom, right? My ultimate allegiance is to that kingdom. And this kingdom's king is passionate about two things. And that is righteousness and justice. So mm-hmm. if there has been an injustice, then I can talk about it. That's why the racial conversation in America has been very, it's been very binary. It's been about yeah. black people and white people. But the truth is that is just a minute representation of the United States of America, right? Mm-hmm. And so whenever the the conversation was made binary, like my Asian and Latino brothers and sisters who did feel like injustices have been propagated on them, felt like they did not have a voice because this was predominantly a black and white or binary issue. You see what I'm saying? But when we look at it from a kingdom lens, then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, 
There was an injustice on George Floyd. Well, it doesn't matter if he's black, white, Asian, whatever. As a kingdom citizen, if there has been an injustice, my king has sent me to be the proxy and agency of his justice. Therefore, let's talk about why policemen are taking black lives unjustly. Yep. So for us as kingdom people, it's not a racial conversation. It's a racial justice conversation. I love it. And that's where that gospel and the king and the agency and his domestic policy as someone whose campaign point is his main campaigning point. His administration runs on two things, righteousness, right? Which is where we get the image of God and everything and justice. And then as kingdom people, those should be the two agendas that we try to push everywhere. And so he gives us these two things, gives us the ministry of reconciliation, then sends us out there to reconcile the world to each other and to him. And that's the essence of what true face is and Blackbird is, and the gospel is. Come on. I will vote for that, Re. I will vote for uh, that platform of righteousness and fighting injustice. And in that injustice, uh, Mm -hmm. we only have perspectives from our individual lives out. We cannot see injustices. It is in humility and curiosity that we learn opportunity we learn of others experiences mm-hmm. of injustice which yeah. how cool is that that for, you know from our vantage point all we see is the injustices that happen to us that's but right when we become more sensitive to and aware of the injustices that others experience and i think yeah. george floyd um was a catalyst for mm-hmm. um, a lot of our country realizing the depth of That's injustice right. from our That's brothers right. and sisters, That's that right. is an opportunity for us in our heightened sense of injustice, Let's in go. our heightened awareness of injustice, yeah. Yeah. we get to love. And That's, that shows oh, us opportunities, it, that gives us more opportunities to love and therefore be Christ-like and live into who he's allowed us to be. Preach, Robbie. Preach, Robbie. It is the perfect setup. So here's the thing. Whatever the world, right, goes like horribly wrong. This goes from Bible days. And uh, I remember in the book of Kings, right, um, there is the Israel's darkest ages, right? When it, and, and, and you kept hearing this phrase repeated over and over. Back then, there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in their mm-hmm. own sight. There's this story to where this guy right? He's like a priest and he goes to this city in Israel and the the tribe of Benjamin takes his wife, like it's very graphic, rapes her, right? All all night and then leaves her at a doorstep and she dies. So he takes this woman, his concubine, goes to his house, cuts her up into 12 pieces and sends those pieces of this woman to all of Israel. And there is such a reproach and a unified outrage that everybody runs up and it unites people and they rise up and they come and almost wipe the entire tribe of Israel. Now, fast forward to, to, to the sordid history that we have as America. There's a man called Emmett Till. I don't know if you know about this. And he was a young man and uh, he gets like, right. He, he, he literally just gets lynched and he gets killed and everything. And his mother, they find him and he's been underwater and he's like literally in the first phase of decomposition and decay. And in the hottest day of the year, his mom says, we're going to have an open casket. And 
entire people mill past and they see the horrible sense of injustice. And people, there is such an outrage and an outcry that people say that was the beginning of the civil rights, right? The shift in civil rights specifically. So I believe Mm. the same thing then in modern day was what happened. George Floyd, right? comes and he is unjustly murdered and everybody records it and it goes viral. And there is such an outrage that God uses that to spark like widespread racial reconciliation and reconnaissance and and revival, which always in all these three aspects, they're always set up for the church to then rise up and show the love of God is the alternative to all that hate. And so I completely agree with you. Whenever there's outrage, there's an opportunity for us to show outrageous grace and the nature of our God. Father, as the church, uh, we, mm-hmm. two guys as part of the church and the kingdom, uh, help on. us to continue to be aware of and not forgetting the injustices that we get to, um, we get to lean into and fight for in love. Yeah. Uh, as it's about to get busy with elections and everything else going on, that we don't lose that opportunity that, 2020 has also presented uh, that we can fight for injustice. Come on, dude, you are awesome. We could keep (laughs) going and uh, maybe we'll just stop the podcast because we're supposed to keep these things shorter and you and I can keep going. But um, before we do that, uh, share something with us, uh, something that you've been doing lately. That's life giving. That's fun. That's uh, enjoyable. What's something you've been doing? Dude, that that that's great, man. Pam and I, dude, have been um, traveling quite a bit, <laughs> and I know people Come are on. like, hey, during COVID, people are like, but then I get Pam is a seven on the enneagram, and I'm a seven, so we have like ridiculous energy. But my, <laughs> but 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 her job, right, keeps her in the hospital. She's an ER nurse, like almost like literally twenty four seven. And my job keeps me on the road, like almost 24 seven. So man, during COVID, we were just like, you know what? Let's start taking road trips to just interesting places, man. And that has been so much life to us. And we rekindled a friendship beyond just our love and everything. And uh, yeah, that's been bringing me so much life, man. Pam, you're invited. Road trip to Dawsonville. Next thing. (laughs) What are you reading or learning about? Yeah, man, I am. um, So right now I am in the book of Mark and it's been marking me, man. It's, it's, it's a worker's book. It's a, um, it's kind of given a lot of language to my, um, to the crazy pace of my life. So that is just going over and over and just seeing Jesus's relentless grind and the things that he was doing. Mm. I felt like it's just, yeah, been a lot of life, like little things, like how did he, what was his time management? He would wake up early and pray, Mm -hmm. right? He would always retreat with the father. So um, um, as my life gets busier and busier and gets back to being the busiest it's ever been, that's been giving me a, just a lot of life. I'm back in this book um, called Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. And I believe it is the quintessential the, it is canon for communication. And so huh. someone hasn't read it, read it. It's an incredible book. That's awesome. Re, I love you, man. It has been super fun to have you on here. And for the rest of the True Face tribe, join in with us in this conversation. 
We hope it was as life-giving to you as it was for me. And thanks for supporting Trueface. Uh, a, a, a lot of you guys know, and some of you don't, that Trueface is a ministry supported by people that have been impacted by the ministry who give back to help this ripple of the good news reach more people in the next generation. And we're in a season with an amazing opportunity to do that. And uh, we would we would be honored if you would consider joining the team as a monthly giver any amount you can do that at trueface.org forward slash give and we've got a tribe of us who want to see this thing keep rippling and impacting more people and if you've been impacted jump on join us we're having fun and causing as much trouble as possible for the sake of the kingdom Bree, i love you man thanks for joining see you guys like it share it subscribe it we'll see you on the next one bye